As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. No, you have to. That Listen, it's its own little days of our lives inside the book industry. It's fantastic. I don't know anything about days of our lives. Well, you're missing out. This is exactly <laughs> what's happening. So if you're wondering what is the soap opera of the uh, book industry, it's probably that. Hey, readers. I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next? Episode 114. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on the show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Readers, we have a great episode for you today. And to get started, I want to share a lovely email I got from Marla, one of our What Should I Read Next listeners. Here's what she wrote. Hey, Anne, I've had this email rattling around in my head for a while, but wanted to wait until the new year to send you a quick note to give you an idea of how big an impact your podcast has had on my reading life. Let's play a little game called My Life Before and After, What Should I Read Next? I started tracking my reading three years ago, so I have the proof how much my reading life changed after religiously listening to What Should I Read Next? In 2016, I read 23 books and I struggled to find books to read. I don't have record if I abandoned any, but more than likely, I was so desperate to read that I rarely did. My TBR list was so short and ended with the year. Last January, I listened to you on Jamie Ivey's podcast, The Happy Hour, and I immediately began listening to What Should I Read Next? In 2017, I read 70 books. 70! All caps! Exclamation point. I abandoned eight, and my TBR list had no problems rolling over to 2018. I rarely go an episode of What Should I Read Next without saving a new book to my wish list on Overdrive. Reading has always been a part of my life, but I was in a couple of year rut where I struggled to find what I should read. This past year, my expectations were blown out of the water. And as a fun side note, I even had a baby in June. I thought for sure my pace would dip, but because of your steady stream of suggestions, my reading life has been amazing. Thanks so much. Well, thank you, Marla, for that lovely email and congratulations. Readers, we love hearing from you. And the easiest way to get in touch with us is to hit reply to our weekly What Should I Read Next newsletter. If you're not signed up, get on the list at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash newsletter. It's easy and it's free. whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash newsletter. That is it. That's an ugly cry kind of book. And that's exactly why I love it. That book, when I end, when it ended, I did ugly cry to the point that I just leaned into it and couldn't stop. And I like any book that makes me feel something viscerally. So mm-hmm. if it's anger or relief or sadness, I love – I mean, you could – to me, I, you can't spend a better night than fetal position on a rug listening to like Ray LaMontagne – 
and the feeling all the feels. And so that's why I love that book so much. Readers, that clip you just heard was from our very first episode of What Should I Read Next on January 12th, 2016. Today, to mark our second anniversary, we're rewinding all the way back to our very first guest, my ever-colorful friend and the podcast co-host, Jamie Golden. Today, you'll get to hear some secrets about what I originally had planned for the show, which we threw out the window after the first 10 or so episodes, a totally true bookshop story about Tom Hanks, a literary pop culture lightning round, and Jamie's pitch for What Should I Read Next After Dark. Plus, of course, some fresh recommendations to perk up Jamie's reading life in the year to come. Let's get to it. Jamie, welcome to the show. It is an honor to be back. Repeat offender on what should I read next? It's because I need so much help when I'm reading. I need I need book whispers like you to help me know what to read next. Well, thank you for coming back and gracing us with your presence. Honor. So for those who, for some reason, were not listening to what should I read next, the minute it came out on January 12th, 2016, you were our very first inaugural Meet the Podcast guest. Yes, which was an honor, really, actually, because when we recorded, you had recorded a couple of episodes. And so it wasn't it was a mystery when I would, occur, but I had not heard any of the episodes. Mm-hmm. So I it was new, like I didn't know. But then when I was first, I was like, so I was like, ah, those other garbage guests. <laughs> That's been such a delight. Not that that was true, but it was an honor to be your first guest because it's such a great show. I really mean that. I'm not just saying that because I'm looking at you in the eye. Well, I love that you were our first, but also I kind of feel like we cheated you because have we talked about this? I know Knox knows your partner in crime at the podcast with Knox and Jamie because he produced the first 11 episodes, but originally the vision was for a 20 minute in and out podcast. Yes, it was super fast and you know, I can go for days. So I'm so excited to come back and be like, I'm going to get an extra 45 minutes. I'm very excited. Well, we kept it short somehow when we chatted. I don't know how, but originally it was going to be seriously, tell me only, well, who are you? Why are you here? And three books you love, one book you don't, what you're reading now, and then boom, boom, boom. That was the plan. I don't know. Well, and but you know, I feel like when you're talking about books, you're never just talking about the one book you're Mm -hmm. talking about. Like Mm -hmm. it just brings up so much other great reading information or Mm -hmm. life information. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that you've expanded the show a little bit. I would be really interested in having somebody did you like not doing myself, but having somebody map out like dates and time as the podcast went on and episode length. So I could see like, when did we start slipping? And there was probably a point at which I decided like, oh, forget it. This is a 45 minute show. Like, let's be honest with ourselves. Although in the past couple of months, we've had like one, we've had a couple shorter ones, but on the whole now, like they are not 20 minutes anymore. No. Well, because I think People who love to listen to people talk about reading, which is what your listeners do, if they're like me, they want to hear all the stuff. Like, I don't want it to be so medicinal. I would like it to be kind of nuanced and conversational. So that makes me want to sing Mary Poppins. (laughs) Not not a frequent experience. I will do it. So don't even (laughs) tempt me. I will do it. Well, I did feel so it was great to start with you. But I did feel like once we loosened up the reins on how long it could be that we really missed out on having that like, who is Jamie Golden? And what is her reading life like (laughs) conversation that we would have had if you were episode 17? Well, it's it's been a perfect conversation to hold on to either for now when you've loosened the reins, or if you'd ever done like a what should I read next? night edition or after dark like (laughs) sounds like when you say my reading life it's like my sexy reading life which does anybody have a sexy reading life i mean obviously people who love el james probably have a sexy reading life not a not a quality reading life but a sexy reading life Mm -hmm. 
There's probably a podcast for you somewhere if that's you. I have I actually have a friend who I have a friend who actually does a podcast where her and her co-host discuss Harry Potter erotic fan fiction. It's called Potterotica. <laughs> which is fantastic. And it is a very successful podcast because there is something really comical and funny about <laughs> talking about, you know, Daniel Radcliffe slash fan fiction. It's pretty, pretty exciting. Now, are you sure this is real? Because when I did the <laughs> podcast live in Louisville with you and Knox this summer, one, yes. one of the party games I got to play on stage in front of a whole heaping ton of people was for me to pick out which erotic book title Knox had made up out yes. of the, it was like Balderdash. Like you, he was reading actual names off Amazon of literature you could buy. I just called it literature. And then he made one up and I had to like guess the difference. And my track record was not good. Well, and here's the thing. I don't think most people know. Like if you're ever looking for a party game, mm -hmm. definitely go onto Amazon and start looking up erotic fiction, particularly self-published. You will have a great time with the titles. It is amazing how many things <laughs> like sexy cyclone, like, oh, like tornadoes are sexy. Apparently they can be. Um, and so it was fun because it was actually, it was, it was difficult to come up with fake titles because we would have to like fact check it and be like, maybe, oh no, that really is a, <laughs> that, really, that really exists. And so I was so proud of you for mm -hmm. letting us torture you at our life. Cause we looked up those titles all the way on the drive to Louisville and we're like, this is a magical road trip game. This is better than I spy for sure. How did we get here? Okay. <laughs> Jamie Golden. Six Sexy reading. Sexy reading. Okay. Jamie Golden, what do you remember about the first episode? Do you remember what you loved and hated? I, I think I do. I remember that I loved, and this was my life. So like some of my favorite books of my lifetime. Um, and it was uh, Persuasion by Jane Austen, which is my favorite book of all time. I support that. I just reread that for like the multiple many, many time just over Christmas. It's a fantastic book that is adapted well for screen. So I, I always love a good book that can be adapted well. I mean, really? I've yet to see a Persuasion film that I actually like wholeheartedly love. Sally Hawkins is fantastic in the BBC version. That was the most recent adaptation. It ends with like the most terrible on-screen kiss I have ever seen. Also, isn't that the one where they're like running through the streets of Bath, like jogging yes. for 20 yes. minutes? That has a lot to do with Sally Hawkins because she's like, look, I'm an Oscar winner. Like I'm a really good actress, but I am not sexy Sally. Like I'm not going to be able to have like a hot kiss with Captain Wentworth. It's just not going to happen. And y'all are going to have to. So it is an awkward kiss, but I love her. I love her Anne. I think okay. she's a great Anne. And then I think I loved uh, Me Before You by Jojo Moyes. Mm -hmm. You did. Who is still writing about Lou, which I don't know how I feel about. She's publishing a third book about Lou this year, 2018. And I don't know how I feel about that, actually. I'm like, Lou, Lou needs to go. Like, she's a great character, but I don't know why we're still writing about her. Lou got like a one paragraph mention in The Horse Dancer. It was just like this little wink that you would not even have caught if you hadn't read the previous books. But okay. you just knew that she was doing okay. She had a cool job. It was something to do with art. It might have been in the gallery. Yeah. Now Lou's coming to America. I think that's the third <laughs> the third book. She's coming to America. I don't really? like Lou comes to America. Like, I'm like, is Eddie Murphy with her? What's happening? I don't yeah. know about this. What did you think about it after you? I liked it. Not loved it. Not like me before you. But I thought... Okay, this is good. There is a part of me that is always interested in it's why I think fan fiction is this really interesting, fun place. Mm -hmm. Because I am someone who can appreciate I hate that the story ended. Mm -hmm. But I think there are some fan fiction writers that do a great job of 
continuing the universe that was created by the original author and do a great homage to them. So there was part of me that liked that it was official, like that Jojo did it. And I was like, oh, I'm here for this. But when I found out that there was going to be a third, I thought, "Mm, is this a cash cow? (laughs) Jojo, I think she's a good writer. So I Mm -hmm. would like her to kind of leave that behind. But I mean, I think the, the, the one was 112263 by Stephen King. Yes, it was. Which I stand by. And that's something that was adapted I thought James Franco did a great job in that role. Still, that book stands is still one of my favorites of all time. It's a great book. I was really excited about the adaptation, and then I never watched it. It's not too late, but it hasn't happened yet. No, it'll be there forever, probably, because the internet never dies. And so you can watch it sometimes. It's a a pretty well-done adaptation, if you like the book. And even if you don't, if you've never read it, you could watch it and really enjoy it. And you hated, and I don't feel qualms about using that word here, a book that we subsequently have had to tell guests you you need to pick another book to hate in addition to that because so many people have hated that and it was do you remember i do it's ghost out of watchman by harper lee i'm from alabama so i have a heart for harper lee that is it's it beats pure for her i go to monroeville and watch uh, to kill a mockingbird play every year i love her and she is missed but i did not enjoy that novel and i'm glad i was first so that i could <laughs> my hate. and it had just been published mm-hmm. not that long before that episode aired so no, it was new I feel like I was being controversial because people were like, it's fine. It's fine. We love it. We just are so glad Atticus is back. Are you glad that that Atticus is back? Because he's an a-hole. And I don't like my Atticus being like that. Oh, it would be very interesting to read that in English seminar. Yeah, but otherwise, no. But what I do remember from that episode is that you recommended great books for me to read. And to this day, they are some of my favorites, including Bel Canto by Ann Patchett. And now I have become an Ann Patchett fan because of that. It makes me want to go back and read. That book was so amazing. And so I don't know that I would have ever picked up an Ann Patchett book because I think I had put her in a category in my head of like Ann Patchett writes books about farms and like wives who are looking off longingly over fences. I don't know why (laughs) I put Ann Patchett in that group. I don't think I've read that particular one by her. Yeah, no. So she is not. I think it's because her covers are very like soft. Mm, They're very pastoral. Mm -hmm. So I usually avoid those books. But so we want brash covers when we think about what what to recommend this time. Listen, just put the couple on the cover, have him ripping her bodice, and let's get to it. Like, let's be clear about what's going to happen in this novel. I like that. Okay. And then The Man in the High Castle, I think. Is that right? Yes, which I I had just started watching the adaptation, which was also really, really good. But I did read the book, and the book was better, of course. So I loved it as well. And so I'm looking at the book list. Was A Man Called Uva the other one I recommended? And I loved it. Now, I for Christmas, someone gave me, is it the bear? It's Bear Town. It's so good. Okay, so I'm excited. And it, it fits well with what you uh, love and hate, like all the feels, Jamie. Okay, good. Okay, good. Okay. But I have to ask, now that we've talked about Ann Padgett, would you tell the listeners about your visit to Parnassus Books recently? Yes. I was in Nashville. I was there for some Christmas concerts. And I, of course, I love a good independent bookstore. And so I went to Parnassus to buy Christmas gifts and to buy some happies for myself. You know, I'm so excited. And I'm recording Instagram stories about it because I'm like, look where I am, you guys. Which Ann Patchett should I get? Like, (laughs) you think a cheesy Instagram person does? I do. And so I was in the bookstore for probably an hour, like just roaming around and looking up stuff. And, And then I left. And when I got into my car, to post the final story, I looked at my, I took a quick glance at my DMs and I had 20 DMs saying Tom Hanks is in Parnassus right now. I was like, what? Wait, what? So I got back out of my car. I went back into Parnassus and like walked around and like legitimately like a crazy person looked for Tom Hanks. (laughs) 
to the store. And so I went up to the cashier who had checked me out, who was so lovely and was very proud of my book choices. I love when a bookstore person goes, yes, you're going to love this. So great. I went up to her and I was like, was Tom Hanks in here? And she goes, yes, like 30 minutes ago. And I went, 30 minutes? And she goes, oh, no, it's probably been more like an hour. And so I ended up timestamping that like like I'm an investigator on Law and Order. And I timestamped it and I figured out I missed him by about 18 minutes, which is a pop culture podcaster's sadness beyond belief. <laughs> <laughs> because he wasn't there for an event. He was literally just in Parnassus shopping because he was in Nashville. And so he was like in there like petting their dog and all the things. And like Ann Patchett wasn't even there. <laughs> Like, so it was really funny that he was like, just in the shop. It's fine. Whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm over it now. I feel less um, angst about it. But. Did they report what he purchased? You know, they didn't. I, I think they protected his, because can you imagine? I don't know that I'm pro bookstores posting a picture of what I, not that I'm Tom Hanks. I'm not. But well, I thought maybe your friendly cashier might've been like, and he picked up the same thing that, you know. No, and he, she didn't. I should have asked. Mm-hmm. That should have been my follow-up question. I think I was so angry at the missed photo opportunity <laughs> that would have made him do with me. I was so mad about that that I didn't think about, but that would have been great. I would say sometimes I might be a little ashamed of some of the things I purchase. Not ashamed, but just like, don't judge me. Like I might be vulnerable. Let me put it that way. What did you purchase that got you the bookseller stamp of approval? Like, ooh, good one. Good choice. Um, it was the Ann Patchett, uh, This is the Story of a Happy Marriage, because I like essays. I like essays. Yeah, but they probably say that to every Ann Patchett purchase. Well, I would think so, right? Yeah. And she, signed, she has signed all her books, so it's quite handy. And then I had bought, as a gift, I had bought the oral history of The Daily Show for my mom. And I had already read it. And so, but she said, she goes, is is this for you? And I was like, oh, no, it's a gift. She's like, did they love the day? And I was like, my mother loved my mother, this Southern Baptist church secretary who like believes in the Second Amendment and baby Jesus. That's it. You know, like love The Daily Show and love Jon Stewart. She's like, she's going to love it. And it, she has, she has loved it. So those were, those were the things she approved. And I bought socks that said cute, but psycho. <laughs> I do love a good I don't remember seeing sock. those when I was there. No, I love a good bookstore sock. All right. Jamie, we didn't get to do this last time. So can you tell us? Yeah, I just have like one real simple, straightforward question for you. No biggie. Why do you read? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I read for a few reasons. Part of it is my job. Like I am a pop culture podcaster. And so reading books are part of pop culture, right? Not just because books themselves as a medium, but they also often get adapted and authors are their own type of celebrity at times. Actually less so now than in the past. J.K. Rowling, people want to know about her, not just her writing, but they want to know her as a writer and as a person on Twitter. But so part of it is my job. But the reason I've always been a reader is because I really love hearing people's stories. I like hearing stories in real life. Like I like knowing where people came from and their backgrounds and their histories. Cause I think everybody has a great story. They not, may not always tell it well, but I think everybody has a great story if they think long and hard and people will say, Oh no, my story is boring. There's, there's something, everybody has an interesting story to tell. And so I like nonfiction in many ways because you're telling the stories of people who are interesting or lived great lives or, or lived just interesting lives that you didn't know anything about. And then I like fiction because you're creating a world for me. And for, in some ways it's a fictional place that I can never experience, but it's the same way. Like I'm going this year on my dream bucket list trip 
to London and I'm going to Jane Austen's house and I'm going to Bath. And so the fact that I'm going to be in a place that I will have, have, have experienced so many times in books, but never experienced in real life, it's just a really special, it's a special connection to my real life, to my literary life. Okay, that's the only big picture question I'm really going to slam you with because those are a little intimidating. But instead, I haven't done this to any other guest, Jamie. But how about I pitch you some topics? Yeah. And you just give me a quick take. Okay. Okay, so we can find out more about your reading life. My favorite thing in a game show is a lightning Mm -hmm. round. So I'm very excited. With that in mind. Yes. Kindle or book book? (sighs) Kindle, for sure. You know why? Can I tell you why, though, real quick? I know this is not a lightning round. I like that. I like that percentage and I like it telling me how long I'm, I have to read the book. Like I like it. It's like mm-hmm. driving to the beach for vacation. You're like, can we make it quicker? Than we <laughs> and I love seeing my time. Like they're like, oh, it's going to take two more hours. Oh, is it? Is it Kindle? It's going to take an hour and a half. I'm going to kill this. Yeah. Okay. I respect that. Hardcover or paperback? Hardcover. Morning reading or night reading? Night reading. Reading while eating? Ew. <laughs> I say ew, but let me clarify that. Like, I do love a nice snack, but I am, I, listen, I can't get my bugles dust on my beautiful hardback book, can I? That doesn't seem right. So no, I'm a, because I'm a late night reader, it is the thing I will do from, say, 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. So I'm usually not eating. Man, that'll get that Kindle percentage down awfully quickly. I, I would say 90% of the books I read, I read in one sitting. I forgot that about you. We talked about that two years ago. I'm a weird speed reader. Yeah. Like I'm a weirdo. Audiobooks. Okay. So I have an ADD medical diagnosis. Guys, I'm a survivor. So don't, don't feel bad for me. But <laughs> the problem is audiobooks are difficult. Now I did just start my first, probably my first full audiobook I just started, uh, I've never read Harry Potter <laughs> and I just Stop, started, Jamie. Duck. I know, I know. And I just started Harry Potter, the first one, mm-hmm. and I'm listening to it on audiobook because you have said that many times mm-hmm. when that audiobooks are just like reading like paper books. So it counts. It's the same to your brain. Totally counts. It's, it's mm-hmm. to your brain. And he, the, the narrator is Jim Dale and he is really so good at creating this. It's not just like someone reading the words out loud to me. So it's been a good experience so far. But normally I get distracted and have to go, what chapter are we on? Oh my God. I think I missed something. Like what? Why is this person here? Who is that? So I would normally say no. But so far I've had a good experience. Reese Witherspoon's book club. Um, yes. I feel like I'm legally obligated because she's from the South and I'm from the South. And I have Draper James pencils on my desk right now that I feel like I'm like legally obligated to say yes always to everything Reese. Um, plus, I'll tell you, Big Little Lies was one of my favorite productions, TV productions of 2017. And that came out of her book club. So I'm going to say yes. Yes. Yeah, but so did The Last Mrs. Parrish. And I don't know, y'all. Oh, now see, I noticed that. Then I read the reviews on Goodreads and I was like, oh, I'm not buying this. Oh, I didn't read the reviews on Goodreads. Although in its defense, one of the reasons where I went really was because it could have been first, but it wasn't published first. There have been, like I described to Will, my husband, if you didn't listen to our anniversary episode last year, um, where I got on with him and talked about his books. Actually, you know what? He was the original What Should I Read Next guest because we did a sample episode in October 2015 
on a road trip back from New York City. So in the middle of Pennsylvania, we like set the timer on the iPhone. We're like, okay, we're going to see if this podcast concept is really going to work. Let's go. I finished the last Mrs. Parrish. And apparently I made a noise when I set down the Kindle. And Will was like, what? I said, well, I've read three books in a row where the plot has been like this. And so I finished telling him what the plot was like. And Will was like, what? Really? Like, I can't believe there was... (laughs) What? Are you... How? How? So it could just be it's unfortunate luck that I read three books with very similar plots in a row. Because domestic noir is so hot right now. And so they uh, like listen. the plot twists and turns keep getting more and more like specific and sub genre e. And I'm over it. Like, remember when we went through that season where every book had the word girl in it? Remember that season where it was like, gone girl, good girl girls girls on a ferris wheel and you're just like i love the way you're talking about this in the past tense does that mean it's over because i'm ready for it to be over i think it might be over like i think now you're only getting the people who are like oh i write a book every seven weeks so (laughs) like and that kudos to those people make a living however you can but i think it's it's past i hope Mm -hmm. you know what this is the story of a happy marriage was a reese witherspoon book club selection it it said it on the little card in front of the book at Parnassus. So I did pick it. I did think, oh, okay. Oh, there's the right. Uh, <laughs> so look, Reese can do now. She can do wrong. I saw home again, and that is hard. <laughs> but anybody who will get people to read is that a bad thing? Even if they're getting them to occasionally read like, the last Mrs. Parish, how do you feel about that? Not let's a bad turn thing. the let's turn the tides onto you. How do you feel about Reese's Book Club? No, no, I love it. I'm very enthusiastic. But no, on the whole, I really like her. I have not seen Home Again, so that hasn't ruined it for me. And um, yeah, I think bookish enthusiasm is a good thing. And some of the books she's picked out have been fantastic, like Big Little Lies, like um, I really love the Alice Network this summer, which was really a sleeper hit until Reese Witherspoon got a hold of it. Yeah, this is the story of a happy marriage. I was pleased to see her go nonfiction. And I am an absolute sucker for any article that comes my way that says Reese Witherspoon's literary taste transforming Hollywood and how her love of books and reading is benefiting her career. And she's like capitalizing on her unfair advantage of reading all the books and then figuring out what to adapt. So like, how could I not like that, Jamie? Emma Watson's book club. (laughs) Uh, Hard pass to all things Emma Watson. How about that? No, like absolutely not. Not that she can't have a good book club, but like... Well, be an actress or be a reader. And you might want to spend a little more time on being a better actress. I'll be honest with you. So we, we just talked about Reese. Oh, I know. Listen, I think Reese is a better producer than she is an actress. Oh, I will stand by that. Okay. I do think she's a, and if she can find herself in the right role, I think home again was, a. I want to work with Nancy Myers daughter. And this was just a way for me to do that. Hot pursuit was like, I can be a cop. But I'm also in a horrible movie. This means war. That's a horrible. Like, Reese has been in a lot of bad films. But because she's, it's like Julia Roberts, because she's been in some of the films that are so nostalgic to us. We just go, Julia Roberts is a great actress. Uh, No, she's not. So, sorry, I'm getting very pop culture defensive right now. Be who you are, Jamie. That's why you're here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank For you. round two. Real life book club. You know, I have never been in a real life book club and it makes me sadder than anything on the planet so Wait, are you sure because i think i remember having a conversation with you once that said like i'll read a book and i'll tweet about it and that's as much book club as i need in my life well but i think it's because what i see is now because we have instagram so more aggressively two years after the fact i find people like they're making their foods based on the theme of their thing and like i made i used to be a cake pop baker in a former life right mm-hmm. and i you were kind enough to order some cake pops for me 
for Laurie Frankel and themed on that book. And I was like, I wish I could like go to the thing where people eat. <laughs> I was actually jealous of the experience of people all getting to be in the same room because I love talking about movies with people and TV shows with people. And I love live tweeting red carpets. So I don't know why I was so, so I think the beauty of who we are is that in two years we can change our minds and that's okay. And I think now I would really love to be a part of a book club. Like I think I might actually enjoy it. Well, that was unexpected, but I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Okay. So, so food, food will draw you in. Food brings people together and so do books. I love a themed meal. Are you kidding? That is my favorite thing. Like, oh, we're going to eat grapes while we read Grapes of Wrath. I'm here. (laughs) Or peaches. Okay. Celebrity memoir as a genre. It, it depends on the celebrity. Now, because so many celebrities live their lives so publicly, you don't need a memoir. Like I've seen your whole life on Twitter. I thought Alec Baldwin had a great memoir this past year that he revealed a lot of things that were. I thought Carrie Fisher had a couple of great memoirs that revealed a lot of good stuff. So if it's the right juicy, I like a juicy memoir. I like people called out by name. I don't like mysteries of like, there was this one guy. I want. No. I want them named. And if it's written more as essays, I am here for that. Like I am in a big essay kick. And so I love celebrities who write their memoirs in the form of like, here's just some essays from my life that I like very much. So Amazon. As an as a visitor to my house two to three times a week, I love it. As a crippler of Kathleen Kelly and all she stands for. No, I don't like it. Pop culture references and contemporary fiction. You know, I love Ready Player One. It's the biggest fight that Knox and I have ever had <laughs> our podcast because I loved Ready Player One. And we do a segment where we green light things that we love. And I gave it a green light. And then he read it because he does say normally I do have good taste in books. And then he came on and gave it a red light because he said it was nostalgia at its worst. <laughs> and now, am I nervous about the movie? I just, you know, I just saw the trailer in front of a movie I saw last night. And it doesn't look great. Like, it does not look like a good adaptation. But normally, I love a good hat tip to pop culture. It's a very, a lover of 30 Rock and Gilmore Girls. It's, I love that hat tip in literature as well. Last question. Favorite independent bookstores? Okay, so I would say my, well, my favorite is The Bookshelf in Thomasville, Georgia, run by Annie Jones, who is a real life Kathleen Kelly. <laughs> the most adorable little human and place. And it was, um, I got to visit in person for the first time. It was like walking into the shop around the corner in You've Got Mail. And I love it. I love book people in Austin. I always go there when I go to Austin. Oh, I've never been. One of the sorrows of my life is driving through downtown Austin on the freeway, on the way to the hill country and like, Somebody in the car being like, that's where book people is like right there. You can almost see it and just like waving. That's so great. I'm going back. It's happening. No, you have to go back. You have to go. Cause so those are two of my favorites. Yeah. I can't wait to go to the bookshelf. I mean, it's not on the calendar, but it's totally happening. No, it has to happen because I, I remember walking into the shop. I was there for an event and I was actually going to be a guest bookseller on Black Friday and uh, the weekend, small business Saturday. And I walked in and there was the end cap of a bookshelf and it were all, it was these books listed. And I was like, this bookshelf is so good. I love all these books. And then I looked at the sign that said, books Jamie Golden loves from the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. That was my equivalent of winning an Oscar. Like it was like, this is the, guys, I just want to thank my family. And I want to thank Annie and her team. Like I really was moved and elated and took more than a few selfies in front of that shelf because it was such a magical time. That's appropriate. Okay. I lied. I got to ask you one more question. How do you decide what to read next? Where do you get your book picks? 
Okay, so I really do use you as a book whisperer, truly. Thank you very much. Because I do trust your... Wait, do I need to take a selfie right now? Oh my gosh, yes. No, of course. This is an honor for you. This is like winning an Oscar Mm -hmm. for you. I should take a photo in front of your favorite book's bookshelf, 600 miles away. But we should make that happen. Yeah, there are many books on that shelf because of you. Listen, your summer reading guide, like when it comes out, I like sit down and start going, where are these books? How can I be not number 87 <laughs> on the wait list for this book? And then how, which one am I going to buy? For sure. I, it's always like a religious experience sitting down with your summer reading guide. But you, Annie Jones, who does on the bookshelf, she does reviews on Instagram. And so I will put those in a little collection that I save. And then when I go to a bookstore while I'm traveling, I pull up that collection on Instagram. Um, I love uh, Laura Tremaine as a friend who also is a podcaster. Um, and she is a, a voracious reader and she will also do very honest reviews because I'm always looking for the person to tell me the books they hate as much as the books they love. I will, if you say to me, here's a book, I will use Goodreads. Can I talk trash a little bit about Goodreads? Is that bad? Goodreads did their books of the year of 2017 and it was a voting system. When like a YouTuber won best memoir, I went, this system has been gamed because this didn't get a lot of positive reviews from publications. It didn't make many lists of books that people loved, but somehow, and listen, would I do that if I wrote like a book and be like, guys, vote for me. This is so critical in my life. Like, of course I would do that. And so I don't blame them for doing that. But I felt like when I read their best of list, I was like, why are none of these books on anybody else's best of list? And it's because, well, you've gamed the system. So I don't always trust rating systems. Mm -hmm. And I use them in my life a lot, like Rotten Tomatoes for movies. And so I don't always feel like I can trust Goodreads unless I'm following people that I go, they have good days. I actually follow some people who I go, they hated it. I will read it. You know, that is also very useful in deciding. It is because I obviously people are going to hear my book choices. and go, Oh, I'm going to stay away from that. (laughs) I think you have to know yourself and know what you love and what you like. And Knox and I, we fight a lot about books because Knox likes character development. That is the most critical component to him. I like context. Like, I love a book's context, and it's weird. And so we we rarely find books that meet in the same place. But, like, a rare Station Eleven does both. And so we both loved Station Eleven. Uh, and I know you liked Station Eleven. And so it was a book that worked for us because we both like different things. And so for me, context matters a lot. It's why I don't actually read a lot of contemporary fiction that's not – unless it has a very unique setting – I don't read a lot of contemporary fiction because I'm always like, well, okay, the married couple had problems. Like, (laughs) (laughs) fine. That's not interesting to me. But the married couple were on a spaceship and they had problems. I'm here for that. Noted. I might have read that book, actually. Let's see if I can remember (laughs) the name of it. A hundred percent. Someone has written that book. I know. (laughs) All right. (sighs) Jamie Golden, you ready to talk about your books? (gasps) Two years later, take two. Yeah, let's take two. This time I really kept it to the last year. I tried to pick books that I read in the last year and a book I read in the last year that I hated. Otherwise, was it too overwhelming? Is that why you needed to pick in the last year? Or were you afraid you'd accidentally out with the books that you'd already talked about on the podcast? Well, I knew that I would go back and look, but I also thought it's such pressure to live up to those same standards of books I've loved my whole life. Plus, I thought it might be something different. Not that I I think a lot of your guests do that. But I thought, let's keep it current. Like, let's not just be like, I love the last of the Mohicans. Like, okay, we get it. Like, you love the last of the Mohicans. Like, it's life changing. But what did you read this year? That was so I thought it would be just more 
I hope. We'll see. We'll see how interesting it is. (laughs) All right. You know how it works. Three books you love, one book you don't. Go. Okay. So a fiction book that I love this year was Sing Unburied Sing by Jesmyn Ward. That actually came to me through Annie B. Jones posting about it on Instagram. And she said she loved it and gave it five stars. And so I downloaded it and read it and loved it. Why I love Sing Unburied Sing, which I know is cliche, because <laughs> when you win a National Book Award, like a lot of people probably liked it. But for me, there's something about a road trip that it's always meant a lot to me. I took a lot of road trips as kids. I've done road trips as an adult, and they've always been these really meaningful uh, markers in my life. And so the fact that this is set on a road trip with these these slew of characters, I mean, these kids, Leone, Misty, I mean, it's nice when you can travel with the person you get high with. <laughs> Did you like that? I'm just like, yep, yep, yep. yep. Wait, hold um, on. Actually on a road trip to go pick up your baby daddy who's just getting out of jail. The context of this novel is very interesting to me. Jasmine Ward, I didn't know at the time, had already won a National Book Award. And so as I was reading it, I was just like, who is this writer, like, creating this universe for me? Like, the way that she constructs a sentence and a paragraph and a chapter, like, it just kind of moved me. And I like the fact that there's so many things, like, that you might not see yourself in common with a drug addict who's a a single mom going to pick up her baby daddy. Like, So many of it may seem foreign, but for me, everything that was happening was resonating. Like, and it just, it, why I loved it is I went, we are not that different. It was a book that really let me go. We're just not that different. We, we think we all are different and we're just really not because I connected to so many of the things that Leonie was feeling and so many of the things that Jojo and Kayla were experiencing in that car, even with, as they were encountering ghosts of their past, like we're all kind of living with the ghost of our past. So I loved it. To me, it was a, perfect novel. It was so well done. Okay. My second is actually to have two nonfiction because I've been on a nonfiction kick this year for sure. And so the first, but it's read like fiction. It was Killers of the Moon by David Gran. Uh, This came to me through Book of the Month Club and the way that Judge Sarah Weinman wrote her and I'm really driven by that. Like how do they write their review? Because sometimes I don't trust the internet because I think is David Gran paying Sarah? Like did she get a kickback? I, you know, I just never know who to trust when it comes to book recommendations. Um, but this I trusted because I'd read a lot of David Grand's work in The New Yorker and The Republic. He's a journalist. Here's what makes him a great writer. I find that journalists have to either be a good writer or a good detective. They're not always both, right? And you're willing to sacrifice the writing because you're like, look what they discovered. It's so great. But what he is is both. And so this novel that's about the Osage Indians, the birth of the FBI in Oklahoma. Like, it seems like it's such a dumb topic, but it was riveting. And I read it in one sitting, not just because that's my preference, but because I really could not put it down. And to say that about a nonfiction book about a time in history, it's just such a hat tip to David Grant and his writing style. And then my third book. My third book is another nonfiction. I said I was in an essay kick this year. I was very much. It's hard to pick which essay book I love the most, but it was We Are Never Meeting in Real Life by Samantha Irby. I was in book in Austin with my friend Jen Clapp, and we were wandering around aimlessly, as is the way to do a bookstore. And she came up to me with this book. I, we had, Neither of us had ever heard of it. It had just published. And she gave it to me because Jen and I met on the internet. And we were now traveling <laughs> together to Austin. And she said, how great is this? We didn't do this. And, and so I stood there and I read the first chapter, which was Samantha's 
Bachelorette application, her application to appear on the Bachelorette TV show, which I watch voraciously. And so I laughed out loud in a respectable place, which is always a good sign. Also, her book dedication was this book is dedicated to Clonopin, which I appreciate. <laughs> book to your uh, mental health meds. I, I love that. And so it was a perfect mix of kind of pop culture. She's obsessed with pop culture as I am. Uh, coming of age sort of thing. And what I love is, you know, with all of these books, they're perfect adaptations. I mean, David Grant's book was purchased for $5 million, the movie rates. Um, and it's being developed by Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio. I did not and, know that. Yes. And then what I love about Samantha Irby, who wrote, we are never meeting in real life. She just got a TV series um, on FX and it's going to be produced by Broad City's Abby Jacobson and inside Amy Schumer's Jesse Klein. Jesse Klein, who wrote another book this year that I really loved, You'll Grow Out of It. So, um, so perfect. That was a perfect adaptation. So those were three books I loved very that that I not only loved, I bought as gifts for people and keep out on the table because I'm so proud of them and want people to ask me about them. I like it. I like it. I like that book pride impulse. That sounds very primal when you put it like that. Oh, yeah. No, I'm very proud if I read. I have a rainbow bookshelf. On my rainbow bookshelf is in the black section is both the Chronicles of Narnia and Twilight, the whole series. Am I proud of that? Not totally. That's why the black books are on the bottom shelf. But I keep it out because I go, look, I read this. And at the time that I was reading Twilight, I really loved it. And so it's a marker in time of my reading life when I was having that sexy reading life, I guess. Yes, it is. You know, you don't know this yet because it hasn't aired. But as of the moment in time when listeners are listening, we just talked about Organizing by Color on last week's episode. I cannot wait to listen to that episode because... In the past I, future? Yes, in the past future, because people criticize me and praise me anytime it ends up in like an Instagram photo or part of my background. And it's funny to me that people would feel so passionately about it either way. Because like my books could not be this way and it'd be fine. Like, But I, it's always amazing to me what people get real fired up about. I don't know why, because I've been on the internet for many years, but people get really fired up about it. Well, Emily Freeman has an eloquent defense of your system that you share together. So prepare yourself and go back in time and listen now. But all the people who complain, they are right. I was looking for a book today and I was like, what color is that book? <laughs> and I genuinely didn't find it. And I know it's somewhere in the house, but I was like, what color is that cover? I don't remember. So it was a struggle. Okay. So a book that I read this year that I hated, and it was not the first time I'd read it. I actually revisited it. It was a book that baby Jamie loved. And by baby Jamie, I mean, 15 year old Jamie, 15 year old Jamie thought it was the best thing that she'd ever read in her entire life. And then this age, Jamie, which shall be redacted, this age, Jamie went, what? Oh, yeah. And that is Weathering Heights by Emily Bronte. <laughs> what were you expecting when you came back to read it again? And I do think that there are certain books are for moments in time and mean something different to you when you're 15 than when you're twice that or add some, you know, like it's just different. Were you expecting to enjoy it? You know why I was expecting to enjoy it? Because I actually had just read Jane Eyre earlier in the year, a rereading and had loved Jane Eyre again, like loved it again. And so I thought, well, they're sisters. This one must also be awesome. <laughs> and it is not. Let me tell you. And I, I know that doing this, like, first of all, picking between Emily and Charlotte for many people is like picking like, am I a cat person or a dog person? <laughs> do I love Harry or do I love Niall? Like, I get it. But for me, 
to me, Jane Eyre is this perfect novel. Uh, it's finished. It's structured well. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. To me, Wuthering Heights is, it's like if a kerfuffle became a book. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a cluster made it into a book. And I think it's partly because Emily wrote one book only because she died. <laughs> so we only have this one book. So I think if Emily had written a second book, because I do think she's a good writer, I think she did. She had a bad editor. <laughs> you know, and sometimes <laughs> you don't think that saving you from having a bad book is a good editor. And I don't think she had a good editor. I, I think I don't like the unreliable narrator. That's one of my least favorite book tropes and there's a lot of them one there's too many narrators in that book and many of them are unreliable and then it's mostly told in flashback which done well i love i did not love it in weathering heights and then the other thing is i just think heathcliff is boring he's not sexy and he should be sexy he's been played by tom hardy ray fines Laurence olivier he should be sexy to me he's boring kathy Catherine is she is the worst parts of YouTube beauty teen bloggers. <laughs> like she's like all the things that are self-absorbed and I'm pretty. And like I just as I was reading her, I was just like, you are not delight. And compared to Jane, and I and that was probably unfair. And that would probably be the criticism is is it fair to compare Jane and Catherine to each other when they are different and even their roles in their own novels is is different. But I will say that I just I thought I, and maybe I'm being drawn because Michael Fassbender has played Mrs., Mr. Rochester and he's just much. But if Tom Hardy can't sell me on Heathcliff, no one can. I'll tell you that right now. And so and why people keep adapting it. I mean, it's been adapted more than a dozen times and they're not all, they're pretty much all not great movies. I mean, they're poorly reviewed and have not been critical successes at all. But I also thought the novel was just narratively, it was just messy and too gothic and maybe i'm just not as gothic as i would like to be as and maybe that disappoints 15 year old jamie to be honest maybe she's sad that we didn't stay as gothic as we hoped we would be and i think that's funny that 15 year old jamie was gothic considering how many true love weights events she went to so <laughs> i just read w wuthering heights for the first time five years ago and what did you think i was glad to have read it did you feel like it was overrated in the sense that people talk about it on best of list of all times as much as they do. Well, that really gets into the conversation of like, if a book is enjoyable here and now today to a specific reader, or if it was important to the history and development of literature. So like the one I can go with, but do I want to read it again? No, no, I don't. I'm really glad I did. Cause it was so important. It really was, it was groundbreaking and it talked about things that, but so was Jane Eyre because what Jane Eyre's dissatisfied with her life? That's so shocking. <laughs> like, how, how? Why would anyone talk about that? But uh, so maybe it was important. Maybe I think perhaps she gets a little Bronte backdraft. Like we just love the sisters, and so we just give all the sisters credit. And there's enough English teachers in schools that are single and have 97 cats that they're like, no, this is great. Like they're waiting for their Heathcliff and. It's what we get. And I get it. I'm part of that problem. I'm part as much a part of that problem as anybody else. So so those are my three favorites and my the book I hated. What are you reading right now? So right now, because I think <laughs> Sing Unburied Sing made me go, God, I love generational stories. Now, Weathering Heights is told for multiple generations, but there are too many other things wrong with it. But I, it made me really want to read more and more books 
that are like that. And so I picked up, because I saw it on a lot of best of list, I picked up Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, which is about four generations of a uh, ethnically Korean family. They're living in Japan and it's told kind of before World War to up until like the 80s. So I do like a nice historical context. Um, and gosh, it is, I'm three chapters in and the three chapters, like I'm sad that I had to stop and record this podcast. So I would have to stop reading it because it's really, really good so far. Have you read it? I have. And what did you think? You're not going to ruin me for it. I enjoyed it. It might, I thought about putting it in the summer reading guide, but I think it came out last February. So maybe I didn't. I know I talked about it. I recommended it on the podcast, I think in February, 2017 to Graylin Porter, who really loves like the kind of contemporary literary fiction they would talk about on NPR. Oh, okay. Well then that's perfect. Well, and it was a final, it was a final, that's the other reason I picked it. I picked it because it was a finalist for the national book award. So I was like, well, if I liked Sing Unburied Sing and it won the award, and David Grant's book was also uh, in a finalist for a National Book Award. So I thought, well, maybe I'll like these other books. And so that's also been my encounter. It's got a lot of, I, I will say it's been helpful in me thinking about all the things I don't ever think about, like the how challenging it is, like the differences between like Asian cultures. It's been really, it's been really good educational experience. Yes, I like it. I I like it and I hate it when a book really fills me in on a part of history that I knew nothing about. I hate it because sometimes I think, how did I not know that? Like now I feel like an idiot. But that's a very enjoyable way to fill in the gaps in my own historical education. Yeah, I just I didn't know anything about the Japanese occupation of Korea and right. how like when I picked up the book, I didn't realize it was essentially an immigrant story. I found that really interesting. And I would say for just a life lesson. You know, because we, you and I have talked about before about feeling stupid, not liking to feel stupid. But I will say <laughs> one of the best things that you can do in your life is to be okay with that feeling, right? Like, like it's okay to feel dumb. And I always think when I read through things like this, I go, well, now I know. Like, my favorite thing is to say, well, now I know. I didn't know. And now I know. Or learning that at home at one o'clock in the morning is a very safe way to feel like an idiot. <laughs> That's right. So like if someone comes back and comments on this episode and says, Jamie's an idiot. And I'll be like, no, I know. Like, thanks for telling me. I'll send you one of those uh, Emily McDowell pins. Didn't read the comments. Ignore the haters. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. All right. Jamie, I have tons of ideas for you. And I have two questions. Okay. So the first is unpack your comment a little more about how context is everything. What kind of context are we talking about? Like you could say Emma Donahue room, like you are in a room and you feel totally claustrophobic and you are very much in this space and time and the story makes no sense without it, but you never, you don't want to go there. Or you could say like context is Kansas or the moon or under the ocean. Like help me out here. Okay. So it is like room, for example, because the setting for that book is very specific And it's not a situation that I would probably find myself in, but I very much connect to that character because I am, I'm obviously substituting myself. I am for sure somebody who likes to think about what would I do in that situation? Like, what if I was, what if I was Mark and I was stuck on Mars because they'd left me behind, you know, like 
what would I do in that situation? And so that's why, or like station 11, what would I do if I was on that tent? You know, like camping out with these people, like what I like, would I tell them to shut up with the symphony? Probably, you know, like I just think about my own context in, in the book because I very much normally like a protagonist that I can connect with and root for, for sure. That's why Wuthering Heights is such, there's every character is deplorable. Right now, some people would go, well, they're anti-heroes. Well, I'm not interested in anti-heroes. Like I like somebody in the group that I can root for. And so in the context, I like to connect to a protagonist or antagonist that I can go, oh, they're flawed. I get it. But then also say, what would it be like if I was in Ready Player One? Like, what if I lived in Cleveland? <laughs> you know, like in a, in, a, in a trailer, if I lived in the stacks, like what would that be like for me? And so that's the kind of setting, unique settings, or even Leon Moriarty, what Alice knew. What would I do if I had amnesia? <laughs> like those kind of things. So last question. If I dive bomb you with picks, is that going to be completely overwhelming? No. Or delightful? Oh, it'd be delightful. Okay. The more books I can read, the merrier. Because there's a couple that we've talked about on the podcast before, but I just really feel the need to slip them in on you. Okay, I love it. All right. Have you read Homegoing by Yaw Jesse? Yes, and it was one of my favorite books of the year. Okay, good. I figured you probably had, but... I almost used it as my my choice, but I just picked Sing Unburied Sing. Yes, it was fantastic. So you're on the right track, Anne. You're doing great. Fantastic. Just generational saga. Yes. Context, context, context. What would I do? All right. How about Castle of Water by Dane Hucklebridge? No, I have not read that. It's like Castaway. Okay. Plane goes down. <gasps> Two people left. Uh, yes. That is like my sweet spot. He forgot to pack his glasses before <gasps> the plane went down. Oh my gosh, if I didn't have my contacts. I know, I know. So that's like, that was my nightmare after reading this. Because am I going to end up on the deserted island? Probably not. It's almost like you need to have your glasses on your carry-on. Like you don't even need to play. Like they need to be in your purse. Like all the time when you're on Delta. Well, you don't even need to read the book because your most important takeaway has already been like, (laughs) you got it already. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Caslow Water, Dane Hucklebridge came out last year. Okay. So you do have these people on a desert island. They hate each other's guts and they can't understand each other because they don't speak the same language, but it's just them. I love that they don't speak the same language. That's even better. So I don't know that I have to tell you anything else. I mean, yeah, they're, they're on the island. No, I am here for that. No, that's a perfect recommendation. Thank you. Fantastic. Okay. Have you re- I'm not sure about this one because it's kind of like noir for <gasps> Jamie. What? I thought about recommending you this book. Like this morning, I thought, oh, I wonder if Jamie would like that. And I didn't write it down. And then I forgot. But then I said Noiri, which is not a word. And I remembered. Have you read anything by Laura Lippman? I've read one Laura Lippman. And I think it was in your your guide. No, because this is the first one I've read by her. Oh, okay. Tana so French. Me- Are you thinking of Tana French? I am. But no. Like, I'm thinking, yes. I'm mixing up the I read I'd Know You Anywhere. That's the one, the Laura Lippman I read. And I loved it, but I've not read any other Laura Lippman. Okay. So I just read my first Laura Lippman this winter, although this one doesn't actually come out until the end of February. It's called Sunburn. Ooh. And an, it's a contemporary story, psychological suspense. I'm not sure I could tell you why, but what I loved about this is it just feels so, it feels like Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant ought to be in the movie. Like she'd have enormous shades and he'd have like some big trench coat. Um, right. 
because it's a cat and mouse story. So I guess in my mind, I'm, it's like way more lowbrow than To Catch a Thief. But this is what I'm picturing, except in suburban Maryland, weirdly. Oh, I love it. And, you know, I remember reading her. I don't know why I've not read more of her because I remember I greenlit that book because I was like, this, she's such a good uh, weaver of plot. And you're you never know where you're headed. And I liked that a lot. I, cause I love, I I'm here for the page turners. And so I love that. I'm excited. Okay, good. So what you know in the story is that someone is playing a long con, but who and why and what, what is happening? Do you know how many long cons I'm playing on people right now? Oh, I love it. That's fantastic. Thank you for that. Okay, good. Another I should read. Good next. ideas here. But I mean, of course, a story like this doesn't have a happy ending. So, you know, take notes. And you know, I am somebody I find a lot of people will say, well, like I recommended in the episode one, you know, me before you, it doesn't have a happy ending. But I'm okay with that. Because guess what? Sometimes life doesn't. I like the experience of being there. I don't always have to be listen, if I can ugly cry, or like freak out at the end of a book. Ah, oh, what a great feeling. This is not going to make you ugly cry. It may be not freak out, but I think you're going to enjoy the ride. Okay, good. Because it just, that. it sinks you right in. And I don't know what it is about it because it is, it's a story from like now, but it just feels very appealingly like sepia toned vintage <laughs> Is the female character likable or is she just like flawed or... Or is that really not part of it? It's really about the journey, not the people. I think there might be a guy you want to root for, maybe. Okay, good. Even better. But she's not going to like win your heart. You're not going to be like, oh, honey, you'll be okay. Make the right call. Yeah, she oh, yeah, she no. could be deeply flawed and maybe like twisted. No, I love a twisty lady. Because I listen, again, I'm identifying with these protagonists and I'm a twisty lady. So I love it. Talking about atmospheric, interesting settings... This was in the Summer Reading Guide all the way back in May. So you may have read it or you might. Let me just tell you. So it's Aaron Kelly's He Said, She Said. Do you know anything about this? Does this sound familiar? I saw it in your guide, but I did not read it. Okay. So here's what I like about this. So it's twisty psychological. What I want to do, Jamie, is have like our eclipse snacks and talk about this with you at book club because then we could talk about the twists and turns of the plot. Spoiler free. That would be really good. Um, as I read it, I thought I knew what was happening. And I found out to be wrong. And see, I don't know that even sometimes people want to know that about a book, but I'll just leave it at that. And maybe I already told you too much. But this story is about a couple, but it's it's about this relationship. And these two people, I believe, met and love, like their passion is chasing solar eclipses around the world. Oh so so much of the action happens at these festivals where people come together. And now we all know like what it means to have like 100% totality since the eclipse just came through yes. close to our uh, region back in the oh, fall. And I went to 100% totality. I drove so I could experience and I told somebody, now I know why people go to all these festivals because that was such an amazing experience. Okay, you got to read the book. Oh, yes. Good. Okay. Excellent. So at one of these festivals, something terrible happens and the crime becomes something that hangs over this couple's life for 15 years. But then for reasons that become clear, eventually that event becomes not just something they're running from, but something that is again in the forefront of their lives. Oh. Ooh, and you know what else you'll enjoy about this story is that it becomes clear at the very beginning of the book. This isn't spoiler. It probably says it on the jacket. This couple has tried extremely hard to wipe all traces of their existence from the internet. 
And so just the little details about what they have to do and how they're trying to escape um, coverage and how they can't be on Facebook under any circumstances. I think you'll find that like a really fun detail. I'll really love it because my college roommate has a very high end secretive job and she has managed in her life to have almost zero internet footprint, like no social media, no mentions anywhere, no context. And I am fascinated with that side of her life. And I love it. Like when I take pictures with her, she's like, well, you can't post that anywhere. And I'm like, uh, well, I got because like my life is the exact opposite of that. So I'm fascinated with that. Okay. Well, let's hope that's the only way that your friend's life in these people's lives overlap. Unless she's seen like an eclipse in total, you know, 100% totality. That would be okay <laughs> yeah. too. But the finer points, like we don't want them to be alike. Oh, okay. Good. Okay. Good. But it's dark and twisty and um, like trigger warnings to sensitive souls listening to the podcast. I, th- I think it's for you. Okay, perfect. Thank you for that recommendation. Okay, but I also got to say, have you read any Jocelyn Jackson? Uh, no, but here's the thing. Right now, like I got an email today from the library that is, is it the sisters? The Almost Sisters. The Almost Sisters. Uh-huh. I, it was, I was on a waiting list because of several of those book whispers suggesting it. And so I was, I was like number 98 on the list and I finally just got through. Like, so I, it's in my Kindle. Should I read it? Yes, you should read it. But her first book is called Gods in Alabama and you live in Alabama. <gasps> oh my gosh, I'm And I think it's even more like, oh, I just think you'd love it because the idea is that like, what are the gods in Alabama? Like it's um, football, football, church, big boobs, pageant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not me, y'all. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Except for maybe the football thing. I do enjoy a good football game. But okay, that's good. I love it. I love book set in Alabama because I always feel very like oh, I've been on that road or I mean, like no one loved the podcast S-Town more than me. And I went to see John B's grave because I was like, this is outside of Birmingham. This is part of my, you know, where I live, where I'm from. I'm not going to say this book is like S-Town, but it's not unlike S-Town. Okay. It ha- in the Venn diagram of S-Town and Gods in Alabama, there's a healthy segment in the middle of overlap. Okay, good. Oh, that's perfect. Then I know I'll love it. And if you make it through like 240 hours of Harry Potter audiobooks or however long it's going to take. <laughs> it's going to take that long. This would be really fantastic on audio. Oh, okay, good. I was wondering if you would recommend one of these on audio. Heck yeah. So Jocelyn Jackson, I think she has a theater background, but she reads her own books. That is not always a good idea for fiction. It is a very good idea here. She's fantastic. And the accent and the voices she does just really make you feel like you are there. And we know that you like to feel like you're there. I do love to feel like I'm there. And I love a good Southern accent. You know, I love as good a Southern accent. I think you should leave as Jocelyn. But (laughs) okay. Road trip book, Last Ride to Graceland by Kim Wright. Is it supposed to be Graceland? Uh, Did I just make that way too short because I'm not from Memphis? Graceland. It's Yeah, it's like Spider-Man. He's not Spider-Man. He's Spider-Man. <laughs> okay, so this is by Kim Wright, and it's a road trip book about Elvis. So what oh, happens is this woman, mm, late 20s, early 30s, wanders out to the shed out back of the South Carolina home one day and sees Elvis Presley's Blackhawk. Oh, wow. There. And it's apparently been there for a really long time. So the question is, why did her mama have Elvis Presley's car? So <laughs> she, her mother, who I believe has 
died. Never told her who her father was. So all of a sudden she's like, oh my gosh, is my father Elvis? And she sets out on this road trip to visit all these places in her mother's past because she's decided it is time to find answers. Road trip in Elvis's car through the deep south. Oh, I love it. And I like four of the road trips we took as a kid were always to Memphis and we always went to Graceland. Oh yeah. So that one's for you. Oh, perfect. Okay. Two more real quick. Okay. So have you read the night circus? Yes. I loved the night circus. Okay. Excellent. Glad to hear it. And nonfiction, really depressing, but fantastic nonfiction. Have you read five days in Memorial by Sherry Fink? No. Oh, it's so good. It's about New Orleans post-Katrina. It would be an excellent follow-up, not directly, but just it clusters around the same context and issues as Sing Unburied Sing. Oh, okay. Really, perfect. really good. Break your heart. Might actually make you cry. Like, weep for humanity. Uh, anything about Katrina always makes me just, uh, like, I lo- okay, good. Because I love a good documentary that just is heart-wrenching. That's my favorite genre of uh, movie to watch. And so I love to read a good book that would oh, break yeah. my heart. Yeah, that's the one. Okay, okay. that's five or six. That's enough, right? No, that's a great. (laughs) This is the best reason to come on your show. I'm so glad. Personalized recommendations. And hopefully there are people listening who go, oh, me too. Like, I'm looking for that too. So hopefully lots of people will leave with lots of great recommendations. Happens every week. All right, Jamie, of those titles, what do you think you'll read next? Your Castaway Story? Ooh. Your Twisty Eclipse People? Or your possibly legitimately psychotic to catch a thief to catch a thief. I think the next one I'm going to read is the castaway story. I love a good plane crash because anytime I get on a plane, I think, okay, let's think through all the places this plane could crash (laughs) and what would happen to us if that happened. I really think about it a lot and not in a morbid way, just in a really like, this would be such an interesting story. My Instagram would be fantastic if I crashed in this plane, but didn't die. So I would put down this book so fast if I started reading it on it. Like I remember setting down before the fall on like page 16, because on page 16, the plane crashes. And I'm like, you know what? I can read a story about a plane crash because it's just fiction. It's in somebody's head, but not on the actual airplane. Yeah. No, you can't do it. It's like you can't read about someone being murdered in their house when you're in your house and you could be murdered. Yeah, you can't do that. I'll start keeping a list for you of all the disasters so you can read about them while I'm on the airplane. I do love a good disaster, y'all. Disasters are my favorite things. I hope you enjoy Castle of Water. I can't wait to hear what you think. And, you know, you were one of the guests that we had come back on and share what you thought about the books that we recommended back when we still did that. I'm a super repeat offender. Like, you can't get rid of me. This is fantastic. Okay, good. I will. Well, and I'll definitely talk about it on social media. I will talk about my reading experience, about what I'm reading next and how much I'm loving it. Well, we will put all your links in show notes. And if you listeners have quick fingers on the buttons, it is Jamie B. As in what? What do you like to say? You know, people think I made that name up because it's Jamie B. Golden. And people think I chose that as like a pseudonym. It never occurred to me. <laughs> I know, because they're like, that seems a little too convenient that your name is a sentence. And I'm like, well, thank you. I take that as a compliment. But it's Beth, Jamie Beth Golden. Okay. And there's it's just B, not B-E. <laughs> well, it was a pleasure talking books with you today. Thank you for coming on. It was such a treat. Thank you for having me. Hey, readers, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jamie today. Head to the podcast site to share your recommendations for Jamie and let her know there what you thought of my recommendations. That page is at what should I read next podcast.com slash 114. That's 114. And it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. 
Check out Jamie's fun and funny podcast, The Podcast with Knox and Jamie, devoted to educating you on the things that entertain but do not matter wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Jamie on Instagram at Jamie B. Golden and her show at The Popcast. And she is also an absolute delight on Twitter at Jamie B. Golden and at Popcast Pod. Her home base online, where you can find all things about the podcast, is knoxandjamie.com. Readers, we have a great episode coming your way next week. I'm so excited to share it with you next Tuesday. In the meantime, here's a sneak peek. I remember loving that as a kid. I grew up reading a bunch of series, but back then there wasn't the internet. I couldn't know when stuff was coming out. I remember reading The Three Investigators, which were these great detective novels. And the only way to figure out when a new book was out was to to go to the bookstore. And at, at Hatch's Books in Boulder, Colorado, there was one shelf where they would always be. And I would scan down the row like, oh, my God, there's a new book. And then everything stopped while I read The Secret of Shark Reef. That thrill of a series is great. I I don't want to miss my deadlines because I want the kids who like the series to be able to keep reading the next book. That's coming next Tuesday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe now so you don't miss a thing. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me there at Ann Bogle and at What Should I Read Next. Readers, if you enjoy the show, would you please pay it forward and spread the book love in the new year and rate, or even better, review it on iTunes. Your reviews help other book lovers find the show, and they fill our bookish hearts with joy here at What Should I Read Next HQ. Even better, tell a friend in real life how to listen to What Should I Read Next. Thanks in advance. We appreciate your recommendations so much. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed.